Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody, and welcome to a live, live version of Kego Lasso, our weekend recap. Jimmy Conrad has the drums, and we are here to discuss Tottenham's fantastic victory over Manchester City, the Premier League recap that was of the opening weekend. We got Bundesliga, La Liga, and so much more. Jimmy Conrad, his drums, everybody's here. Heath Pierce will join us later. Hopefully, Kego Lasso weekend recap begins right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kegolasso. Jimmy, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I have a Spurs kit on, so clearly they're my favorite team. That's what that means. And uh, I'm very impressed with that performance. Obviously, a great start for Nuno Espirito Santo to win a big game like that against a, a formidable opponent, obviously the defending champions of the Premier League, but also in front of the fans and to really kind of put his flag in the ground that he is a manager and this is a team that they're going to have to contend with, whether Harry Kane plays or not. Absolutely correct. And that's where we begin, everybody. And by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you so much. Please bring us the comments. Our producers, Lisa Roman and Des Norris, will hopefully send us some questions this way and we can answer them for you. If you're listening to podcasts later on, thank you so much as well. And we begin with Manchester City away at Tottenham. And I don't know how many saw this coming. Uh, as you rightly said there, Jimmy Conrad, Nuno Spirito Santo with his opening game for Tottenham in the Premier League. And to be honest, it was classic Nuno in a way. Very counter-heavy, relying on pace. I thought Mauda was fantastic. Bergwijn was absolutely ridiculous. But Human Son with a cracking goal, one nothing. What do you think of that? Talk to me about this game, Jimmy, as it was developing. Because early on, we thought, I think Man City's got this one. We have, you know, Jack Grealish's opening game in the Premier League with Man City. Look, I said his full name, all right? There you go. That's the only <laughs> time I'm going to say it. Uh, and you thought, well, surely, slowly but surely, Man City were going to just unravel Tottenham. But it wasn't the case. How did they get this done, Jimmy Conrad? I would say the first 15, 20 minutes felt very one-sided, felt very Manchester City was in charge. And Jack Grealish was being very positive on the front foot, trying to make things happen. I remember he made a good run through a couple people, drew that foul that was close to the top of the, the box and maybe even in the box. But yeah, I think that was the right call to be outside of the box. So it was a good sign of intent for City overall. My big concern when I saw the starting lineup was their back line. It was Joao Cancelo. Kyle Walker wasn't there, obviously one of the studs for, for England during the Euro run. Uh, Ruben Diaz, I thought he played like Ruben Diaz, the, the, the guy that was the Premier League player of the year last year. He was very solid and did his job. Nathan Ake, I don't think he fits the mold for City. I think he's serviceable, but I think he struggles. And I think he really struggles when he's got Benjamin Mendy out wide left, too. I love Mendy. I, I think he's a tremendous personality. Super fun. I would love to be a teammate with that guy. But there are moments where he gets a little too casual on the ball. He's not playing quick enough. And he got stripped a few times. He lost the ball in bad spots. And those types of moments in a game is where the, an opponent who's going to sit back and absorb and absorb and absorb will start to get that little bit of belief. And we saw it with Brentford versus Arsenal as well, where Arsenal were in charge for the first 10, 15 minutes. And then these little plays start to happen. They start to shift the, the belief of the team that uh, is, is sitting back. And so we saw it. He gave up a couple things. And all of a sudden, Spurs were excellent, to your point, of breaking the other way. Their transition play was fantastic. What I think we didn't see so much and what city is actually mastered. And I thought they is like an art form is they're always really quick to foul somebody in the middle before that, th those plays that transition starts. Yeah. I didn't see as much of that today. And I find that to be very interesting. Now, whether that was just Spurs doing a very good job of, of getting themselves in spots, I don't know, but, but overall I thought that what you could see from Nuno's team and Spurs in general is that they had a game plan. They weathered a really early storm from city. And then that game plan was spot on. And as city got more and more frustrated, and we're taking more risks and we're committing more numbers forward. It just let it, it let it lent itself to Spurs getting that opportunity. And obviously, what a fantastic goal from Hingman Son. Absolutely uh, correct. So much great context there, Jimmy Conrad. I want to set the picture, everybody. Everybody uh, listening, watching, I want to set the picture for a second because this game began with already drama ahead of it. Harry Kane not traveling with the team. So already there was tension. 
-hmm. Already there was mm -hmm. a little bit of uh, anxiety throughout Tottenham fans. And the fact that Nuno Spirit Center went into that dressing room and said, listen, focus on what's at stake. Harry Kane or not, we are here to do a job. And the job, as you said, they did. I remember, uh, Jimmy, in 2019-2020 season when Wolves beat Man City 3-2, Abed, it was a 10-man Man City. It was a similar strategy. Mm -hmm. It's not, Nuno doesn't necessarily sit. He just sits well, and he times it. And when you have Mauda, who I thought was out of his mind today. He was, he was very good. He was playing so well. And Bergwijn, of course. And then relying on that pinpoint, I thought that uh, Hyunmin Son at some stages held the ball a little bit too longer. Maybe with mm -hmm. Harry Kane, mm -hmm. it would have been mm -hmm. easier. But give all the credit to Nuno Spirito Santo. Absolutely fantastic. I do say, though, and this is something we talked about in the weekend preview, Man City once again, and their sort of pinpoint number nine target was really sorely missed today. And, you know, oh, poor Man City, uh, you know, with so many riches that they have. I thought that was evident in this game. There are a couple points I want to make. Yeah. I'll, I'll start with Man City. The first one is, this is three consecutive losses for them. Champions right. League, Champions League final, Community Shield. And now the first game of the season against a team that they're going to be fighting with for points, right? And I there's mean, a there, narrative there, Jimmy. I think there is a narrative. And, and I think that Harry Kane could potentially solve some of that narrative. There, the shine of Manchester City, I think, has worn off a little bit. That said, we saw this last year. They actually started pretty slow last season. And then they rattled off 25 straight wins or whatever. And it was ridiculous. And they ran away, ran away with the league. We know that team and this team in particular is capable of that. Also, from a sub perspective... I thought that maybe it took a little bit too long for for Pep to bring on Kevin De Bruyne, to bring on Zinchenko when it was clear Mendy was struggling a little bit. It was clear that when Kevin De Bruyne, I mean, the game just looks easier. City just flows so much better when De Bruyne is on the field. The, the weight of his passes, the, 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 the decisions he makes, unbelievable. It's like so two it's, of them. It's like having two it's, extra players. Yeah, it's, it's unreal. So I, I can't wait to see how that relationship between him and Grealish continues to develop. But, but Yeah, I can't wait either. Because I don't know if they know what their best 11 is yet. But when I looked at that lineup for City, when I saw Fernandinho in the middle mm -hmm. of midfield holding it down, you had Gundogan off of his shoulder. Wasn't he wasn't great. great. Gundogan's your box-to-box. -box, and then you have Grealish, who's going to play a little bit higher. I'm like, that's a pretty kick-ass three. And I thought that was going to probably outplay Oliver Skip and Hoiberg and Deli Ali. But they did what they had to do, Spurs. And yes, it wasn't always pretty. But as the game went on, you could see a little bit more of the genius behind their tactics. And obviously that led to a great goal. And, and so those are the couple points that I was pointing out with City. And, and now I'm not saying it needs to get, you know, over. we don't have to be overly dramatic about where they stand. But I do think that they need to solve some problems. And I'm kind of curious as to how they're going to do it. Now, a lot of people could just raise their hand and say, well, it's because yeah, Kevin De Bruyne was starting and Zinchenko was starting. And Kyle Walker was out there. Maybe Cancelo could play on the left side or Zinchenko, whoever we'd have our best 11 and obviously stones instead of Ake, maybe we get a different result. And I probably agree with them. So it, there's no cause for concern to hit the panic button yet, but I do think that they miss somebody dynamic who can finish stuff in the middle of the field, closest to goal in between those two center backs. So that when they do get into desperation mode, they have a big number nine up top that can do something, you know? Yeah, absolutely right. Very good points. There was a collective unity from Tottenham's perspective as well, which is something nice to see. By the way, Heath Pierce is ready to join us at any point. So he's going to come on right now. Heath Pierce, who sometimes, usually, you know, the most handsome of the three always has to be the last one to join the party. But Heath Pierce in the Heze. Heath, bring that drum, Jimmy Conrad. Let's enjoy Heath, Heath Pierce. Pierce. Heath, Heath Pierce. Heath, <laughs> hey. what's up, uh, man? What's going on, guys? I can appreciate. I appreciate that, Jimmy. You and I know that we played in a few stadiums, uh, and we'll get to the, the the fans and how big of an impact they had. But Jimmy, you and I played in, a, in in a few stadiums for for a team called Chivas USA, where you could hear the one person <laughs> with the drum doing that from across the field because it was a pretty pretty empty stadium. So that brings me back some great memories of playing next to you for the few times we got to at the club level. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Heath, we obviously began with Tottenham's win over Manchester City. Fantastic stuff. One nothing. Human San Nuno Spirito Santo gets his first three points in the Premier League as Tottenham manager. Another loss, as Jimmy mentioned, of course, Champions League final, Community Shield, and now the opening of 2021-22 season in the Premier League. Heath, early thoughts, just the initial thoughts over this game, Tottenham against Man City. Well, one, I thought Tottenham played a, a great uh style of play. I think if, if you look at the difference between that and Jose Mourinho's, it just felt a little more fluid with the willingness to counterattack. It felt a little more like we'll take what the game gives us instead of just saying we're going to bunker in and we're going to run with three. It just felt, I don't know, it just felt more balanced and it felt more 
almost freeing or 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 freedom like it, it didn't feel like it was like this system that somebody placed on their shoulders and they have to do it all the time where it's rigid and it lacks creativity and whatever so maybe and maybe I'm overreading that because of just the way the game went uh, but overall I thought when you just saw them counterattack with 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 the pace and the commitment that they that they did it just felt uh, alive every time it felt like it was a system and less so being forced upon them uh, that were it wasn't so much a defensive first mentality, but more of a counterattacking first mentality and less so a we defend at all costs. And they were defending was fantastic. And then on the flip side, uh, with City, my only thought initially, and I, I know we'll continue this, is that I, there are times that I just wish they had a number nine they can put on the field. Just a yeah. true number nine when Eden Dzeko was around, somebody that occupies the center backs that can really disrupt things and just change the dynamic because I, I thought Spurs did a great job sitting with two holding midfielders right on top of that back line and forcing them to have to make good decisions. And as those players who all want the ball at their feet or in, or in good spots continue to get more frustrated, they drop further and further out of that back line and it's harder for them to create those chances. And again, I think it's an outlier of a game for Man City. I think they'll wake up from this. I don't think it's anything... Uh, I also don't think this puts uh, Spurs into a title contention or any of those conversations, but just well executed by Spurs in their first game and the energy was there. And then and City, same thing. I just think that there's a, there's a dynamic that when they're off, they just look really off because of the style that they play, which is possession-based and, and very attacking-oriented. Yeah, two defenders here on the show, everybody. Jimmy Connor, <laughs> let me ask you this for a second. As a center back, how much easier is it when you see a team in, so in front of you and they don't have a number nine? They're just playing with a bunch of mobile players. It depends on who's sitting in front of you with regard to the holding midfielders. How are they mm -hmm. going to cover when those, let's say, there's going to be somebody that comes in and around your area, whether it's a winger trying to come inside or whether there's somebody starting there and dropping into midfield. What are those responsibilities? But if you have good communication and you have a lot of confidence in your team shape, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. You'd much, you'd be much more pissed off if you had a big number nine that you had to bang bodies with and have to worry about. Because more often than not, if you have a big number nine, you have to worry about all those things I just mentioned and a big number nine, right? Because all these guys are used to running off of this particular player, especially if they're good at holding up the ball. So I do think it limits some influence on, on the game for City. But given how Pep likes to play, he just likes to find those numerical advantages in those little half spaces and then try to kind of expose you and wear you down from there. But it seems like people are starting to wise up a little bit. And if they don't finish those chances when they get them, because Riyad Mahrez had an unbelievable sitter. They just couldn't get around. They get one yeah. of those when they had the momentum. Obviously, we're talking about a much different result. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, by the way, Hyunmin Son was asked if Harry Kane will be able to win back his spot in the touchdown. <laughs> I love that. I love and that. Son, and Son was like, he will. That definitely. Don't, don't worry. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I liked him without Harry. I'm just kidding, Tarnham. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Heath, what do you make of it? You, you think Harry Kane is getting back in this team? <laughs> I, that's the weird thing. I mean, obviously, if he if he's going to come back and the talk is that like he's not at full fitness and things like that, but like. They just need to bring that to a conclusion. And maybe now is the time after a win to, to create that momentum and, and, and allow him a, a move. But it's certainly one you want to put to bed while they have this momentum and not let it be a disruptor in the locker room. Uh, they show a real willingness that, that I mean, there was a few times when Sun got the ball that I thought, okay, wow, he slowed down. He's killed this counterattack. He's kind of putting his foot on the ball and slowing it down and bringing it back. But obviously, that's what happened when he scored. And right when I was thinking, I was like, no, he's killing the attack again. He's slowing down this counterattack. That Kane and usually in the, uh, can go with pace uh, was great. By the way, I will say that in the counterattack, did it not look at times that Deli Ali could not keep up with the pace of the counterattack? Where he was like <laughs> running, he was running as fast as he could to catch the counterattack to be part of it, and he was like drifting further and further off. And I'm like, man, I feel I feel bad. Listen, because well, maybe it's because Lucas Mode is that fast. I think I don't I don't know. Jose Marino didn't play him for like eight months. You got to give a guy a break a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, listen, uh, we got a friend at Amola uh, in the chat on YouTube. Thanks so much for chiming in. Uh, disputing the formation a little bit, thinking that it was more of a 4-3-3 uh, from Nuno. And he used his center midfielders uh, to stifle City's fullback. What do you make of that? Yeah, I'll go first. I think there was some, some evidence of that. So there was a lot of pressure on Benjamin Mendy in particular. I think they focused on him. I, I, as I mentioned before, sometimes he's a little too casual on the ball and he got stripped a few times and that gave Tottenham a lot of early confidence. And I'll say this, as someone who's coached before, or if anybody out there that's had some coaching experience, when you put a tactic out there for your team, and if you're a new coach in particular, and you're trying to apply something new or to give them some ideas and that idea works, it catches. And all of a sudden the confidence of the team goes higher and higher and higher. And I think they said, Hey, let's get around Mendy. Let's make it seem like He's got time on the ball, and then let's just high-press him as hard as we can. 
and it worked. And I feel like you could see the confidence grow with the team. And then they start to buy into all the other tactics that you're trying to say. Now, on top of that, obviously, City are very good at uh, at bombing forward from their outside back position. I thought they stopped Mendy a little bit higher up the field, put it under a lot of pressure. And then on the other side, Cancelo didn't have as much influence as, as I think we've seen in the past. So that's a really good point. And I do think that there was some emphasis on slowing down the outside backs for sure. Very repetitive of, or, or a mirror like to what he would do with wolves a lot against mm -hmm, teams mm -hmm. like this as well. Uh, Heath, any final thoughts from this game before we move on? Yeah. For me, the only thing that I would add on to Jimmy was there was a emphasis on their line, like the line of confrontation in their, in their blocks as that continued to go from higher mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. deeper to deeper, because naturally city is going to break your press, no matter what they're going to get up or in and around the box. But what I really liked was their compactness around the box to where when one player was beat, that next midfielder or defender was stepping out and winning balls. And that's what was ca causing these counterattacks where it was just, they think that, you know, if you're a defender or you're the plays in front of you, you shut off for a minute when a guy beats another guy on the dribble, but he would beat one on the dribble and the next one would come poke that ball away and then one pass and they're out. And I thought that that willingness and that aggressiveness, because it's easy when you think four, three, three or any system to say, okay, we'll just, when, when we get into our deeper blocks, we just sit back and wait. But eventually you just, and Jimmy talks about this a lot, you collapse on top of each other and you just end up in a back line of seven or eight. And they did a good job of keeping those blocks sort of uh, separated and then also releasing players to put pressure on the ball, which I think is just something that goes uh, unnoticed a lot when a team is defending well, is that willingness to not just fall back and close off the gaps, but actually start to initiate that pressure that causes those turnovers. Yeah, and let's not let, let's not get it twisted, everybody. I mean, you know, Man City's plan was still kind of similar, right? We're talking about sixty-six percent possession. Obviously, the pass accuracy was high enough, but again, you know, Nuno and Tottenham did a very good job, at, as as both of you mentioned, sort of disrupting the flow and closing in uh, those gaps. Jimmy, final thought from this game before we move on. No, I just think it's a good sign for Nuno. I'm going to kind of start or finish where I started. I think it's really important for him to have had this results. You know, had it been a draw, I think everybody would have been okay and satisfied with that. But for them to get a win, the statement win over City, it just kind of makes the decisions of hiring him, the the decisions of that he made as a coach, it all kind of makes it make sense. And and uh, I'm excited for Spurs fans. Obviously, they're quite miserable for most of the year. <laughs> and right now, not only did they get a big win, but also their biggest rivals, Arsenal, just got smoked by a team that just got promoted. So so enjoy it, Spurs fans, because we don't know how long it's going to last. Absolutely. And by the way, next stop for Manchester City is Norwich, as they look to rebound, uh, obviously bounce back after uh, that loss to Liverpool. And guess who Tottenham have next? Wolves. So that should be a fun one in the Premier League. All right, listen, if you're watching on YouTube, we're going to keep this going. If you're listening on audio, we're going to take a quick break, but we're going to keep going right here on YouTube. Thank you so much. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. I got a little plug for you, both of you and everybody watching, by the way. I wanted to let you know about what's on CBS Sports HQ. As always, CBS Sports HQ is the network to start your sports newsday at 8 a.m. Eastern with morning buzz, an hour of highlights, news, and all the day's needs to know. And come back or leave us and come back during the day at 6 p.m. where we break down all the night's action and release dozens of picks from the best analysts and cappers in the sports world. One of them includes Jimmy Conrad right here. How to watch HQ? It's easy. It's easy. Go to your Roku, Apple TV, Fire TV, really most connected TVs, and look for that CBS Sports app and fire it up. Check out HQ, the only 24-7 free sports streaming network. Heath Pierce, you got CBS Sports on your app, don't you? Obviously. Obviously. <laughs>
I know anything, Jimmy, that has, uh, anything that has me on things, I'm going to subscribe to I, naturally. I, I, I mean, agree, sorry, I, I mean, Jimmy, anything that has Jimmy on things. <laughs> yeah, on yeah, sure. Thanks, Heath. That's slipped you out, guys. That's slipped too, out. Heath. You met yeah, you yeah, too, yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, we're going to keep going with the Premier League because it was busy, busy, busy with action. Let's begin uh, with the early kickoff from Saturday. The other side, the red side of Manchester, the Red Devils, Manchester United, Jimmy Conrad, 5-1 against Leeds United. Bruno Fernandes with a hat trick. Jimmy, you called it, breaking the deadlock right there as well. If you listen to the weekend preview, I hope you put your money on there. Look, Ayling did score a goal. Of course, I put him on the bench in my fantasy because that's what I do. Uh, and it was Leeds' first goal in front of fans since the Premier League return. But Paul Pogba with four assists as well last season he just managed three he got four four in one game jimmy conrad talk to me about this game manchester united destroying leeds united well first and foremost to get into my prediction god status it has been confirmed i said that bruno fernandez was going to score first plus 300 and it happens tremendous performance you knew that uh things were going to get around him i didn't realize paul pogba was going to be an absolute maestro dropping dimes all over the place but his his passing was fantastic excuse me and, and it wasn't even that strong of a lineup. I mean, we got Daniel James starting. Mason Greenwood scored a very good goal. You got McTominay and Fred, the little double pivot going on. So you got to love that. But the, that back line was pretty solid. I'm excited to see Varon got introduced before the game. So that's now official and he's going to be ready to go. Solid performance for Manchester United. They had a lot of success against Leeds the previous season at Old Trafford, 6-2, to 5-1. to one. I mean, they, I think they just want to play Leeds every single week. But a tremendous performance from Bruno Fernandes. I also had him in my fantasy team in the Premier League. I captained him, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. Uh, I just, just, I love this Pogba thing in particular because as they start to morph into a more of a 4-3-3 and get away from the double pivot to a single one, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, where Pogba set, you know, really sets up shop because at times they've been asking him to go wide, and, and now I feel like he's just better central. He's around the ball more. He unlocks a lot of things, as we saw in this particular game. And so, yeah, I can't say enough about this Manchester United performance. On the lead side of things, though, disappointing, really disappointing. And I think it's going to be hard for Bielsa this season. I don't think it's going to be necessarily it was easy last year. I just think that people are going to be a little bit more familiar with his tactics and how he likes to play, and that's going to be a bit of a struggle. That sophomore sophomore jinx, as they say, that second year is always a little bit harder than the first. So we'll see. Those are my, those are my early thoughts on, on this particular game. Heath, how much stock should we take from this game from Manchester United? Uh, in a way, Leeds United are kind of the perfect opponent for Manchester United. They leave themselves open, so much pace from United side. Uh, Pogba, as Jimmy mentioned, became Zinedine Zidane in his uh, Juventus <laughs> days, not even Real Madrid in his Juventus day. What do you make of that performance against Leeds? Yeah, I thought it was the perfect match for Calvin Phillips to be out for 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 the team as well. Put Pogba <laughs> in the perfect position. But I, I, I will say that... I gave Pogba a lot of slack all season long last year, and I continue to do so because he can really, like, for how talented he is, he can really slow the flow of the game down, and he wants to be a rhythm and flow guy. But if you looked at where he's usually best or where he's most impactful on the team, it's advancing the ball vertically, right? When he turns in the half spaces, when he's on the half turn and he's breaking lines of pressure on his first few touches and releasing that ball, late runs into the box, those are the types of things. But more often than not last season... Uh, he was coming into these positions where he wants to keep the ball, take five, six touches, play a square ball, maybe a long switch. And it's just tough to when you're on the field and you're making movements around that. Eventually, you stop moving, right? Because, you know, a guy like that's going to kill the flow of the game. He's going to slow it. He might play backwards. He wants to get his touches in. He wants a little bit of that attention. Uh, but this one, they were one, two, three, three touches and the ball is off. The ball is off. And when he plays with that type of pace and intensity, he clearly has the quality for, for the final pass and, and, and putting the ball in, in great positions. Um, and so I, I, I think that's a, a great situation for them if they can continue to do that moving forward. The other thing I want to point out, obviously, Bruno Fernandez, fantastic. But if you go back and watch every one of those goals from Bruno Fernandez, if you watch Mason Greenwood's movement to create all that space for Fernandez and the rhythm they had between them where he'll peel off and create these gaps where a late runner can come into where where Greenwood's basically occupying center backs and drifting off their shoulders to constantly pull them apart. And then you see Bruno Fernandes' timing is incredible. One of them was actually a, a, a missed pass that goes into to Pogba where he lumps it over the top. That's Greenwood coming underneath. And it looks, it reminds me of the way that City should have played. It reminds me of the way City should be playing with somebody who's going to pull off that top line and create space for those late runners and those dashing little diagonal runs. If you go back and look, it, it's, it's phenomenal. 
I've watched him like literally 50 times because it was just like one of these things where I'm like, something has to be happening here. It can't just be leads being poor. There has to be something creating the space. And Mason Greenwood's movement to create space for Fernandez was was phenomenal. And so I, I want to give a shout out to him for for doing some of this dirty work that I think uh, is what put uh, Fernandez into good positions with, with with time and space. Yeah, Jimmy, before we get to you, I just want to say in the, in the Premier League preview, we discussed a lot about the new rules and everything. And the, there's thicker lines uh, with VAR this season. And I feel like Bruno, uh, our producer, Des Morris, Des Norris, sorry, corrected us and uh, reminded us that his second goal, Bruno Fernandez's second goal, probably would have been ruled out last season. Because yeah, it was, uh, you know. I'm okay with it. You know, I okay. know there's probably going to be some rules. As I said, I say this as a, as a center back, but because we swung so hard the other way with VAR, especially in the Premier League, it's nice that we've kind of allowing some things now. And and and, and if it gets tight, it's not coming down to this really robotic, you know, one millimeter to decide a game or the fate of a, of a game, you know? So I, I'm okay with it. You know, maybe uh, there are going to be some ones that's going to swing the other way and people are going to get frustrated that, hey, that previous season it would have been called, but... That that aside, there was only one team on the field that were that was winning that game, and they were wearing red. How uh, how how high can they go up this season in this table? Do you think very early? I know, but you know, what do you think? That's a great question. I mean, I think them getting off to a good start is going to be important. Them being resolute at home, they're very good and and very solid away from home. I'm I'm going to take a look at their schedule right now. But if they can get off to a good start, I mean, they got Southampton away and Wolves uh, the next two weeks. Those aren't going to be easy, but as they've shown, they're very good away from home, and we'll see. And then Varane's going to come into the team, so how fast can they assimilate him into it and, and how they work through that? They, they've actually got a pretty – they got Southampton away, Wolves away, Newcastle at home, and then away to West Ham before uh, they start to get Aston Villa, Everton, and Leicester, and they start Liverpool, you know, so it starts to get a little bit tougher. They need to get all these points. They need to get them where they can. So let me, talk to me in a couple of weeks because if they can continue, continue to play at this level and go into those big games – in a month with, with a lot of momentum and feeling good about themselves and really an identity, uh, then I think that'll, that'll uh, lend itself to them. Definitely finishing top four, no question, but uh, to contend for the title, uh, I think it's still yet to be seen. Yeah, and let's not forget the Champions League comes into frame as well at some point there. So they got to juggle about that. Heath, I'm really sorry, buddy, because we now got to talk about Friday's game, the opener. <laughs> uh, Brentford Community hey. Stadium was buzzing. Uh, Arteta was not. 2 nothing to Brentford. Uh, we mentioned it. I said Arteta will be gone by Christmas. What Oof. say you, Heath Pierce? Oof. Oof. Well, we just teed it up. Let's move on. Hold on. Uh, uh, now, on, honestly, you're missing a bunch of players. But this is, you know, if, this is if you guys saw my subtle little plug when I first came on was about uh, uh, atmospheres and fans being back. So I could use this excuse later on when we talked Arsenal that you just can't you can't coach against the Brentford atmosphere. You know what I mean? They've got all this time waiting to get to where they are now, and it was just a. Uh, 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 electric and then you have you that that harnessed into the players who were also trying to prove themselves and all these things it was just there was something just a theme in this opening weekend and then i'm gonna destroy arsenal after this but there was a theme <laughs> in this opening weekend uh, of just that home crowd of fans being back in the stadium of just this energy of of of, of opening weekend from for most of these leagues and i think that that played really well in the teams that were up for the fight and we saw some of these teams go down uh, across a number of the top five leagues uh, against yeah, teams that were man. just out the there. The like, was clearly yeah. present this weekend, yeah. Yeah, and it's opening weekend. Fans are, it's just so many of these circumstances that have come back and you could feel these energy shifts, um, even just watching from TV that I thought play uh, a major role. Now, having said that, <laughs> Arsenal uh, were, were not good. Yes, they're missing, uh, a, you know, uh, a number of uh, Partey, uh, Aubameyang, Lacazette. Uh, they're missing a number of their players, but there was still just the lack of this fight and cohesion. And yeah, they just, you know, you look at them on paper and you go like, that's not a European side right now. And you add the other guys back and you're like, okay, now you're getting there. But you're like, is that just the same of the same of the same of the same? And, and so, yeah, I, I worry a bit about just where the season could potentially go. And I don't see there being... I don't see where you, where you when you look at this roster now, where you're rounding the corner and going, okay, now we've mixed the potential of the young players with the cohesion of of the older players and new signings, and now we're getting into a bit of a groove that's anything better than sort of seventh, eighth, ninth place in the league, you know? Yeah, Jimmy. Um, well, first of all, Emmanuel Petit, right? Uh, well known, uh, former Arsenal legend. 
Speaking on French TV, he said, uh, I'm gradually losing interest in Arsenal. They don't give me any emotion. It's such an Emmanuel Petit answer, but it's very on point, I think. Uh, what say you, Jimmy Conrad? Well, think about the players that uh, Arsenal have now compared to his teammates. I mean, yeah. that's the Arsenal that I think people want. They're longing for that. The Invincible season, a lot of people fell in love with the team around that time. So you have... Dennis Burkamp wearing the number 10, and now you have Emile Smith-Rowe. No disrespect to Emile Smith-Rowe, but he's not Dennis Burkamp. Thierry Henry is the guy leading the lines. Freddie Lewenberg's bombing forward. Robert Perez is coming from the other side. You got Patrick Vieira in the middle. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And it's just legend after legend after legend. And now you just got a lot of hopeful players. You're hoping that Balogun will will step up and, and in his first ever Premier League appearance, show up against Brentford, who are just going to fight for every single thing. And then you have Martinelli, you know, this is his big chance. But does to, to Petit's point, I mean, does he really inspire you out there? Nicola Pepe, yeah, he can do it in the Europa League, but can he do it on a regular basis in the Premier League? Lacongo, I thought, was fine. Jaka was fine. You know, they had guys that everybody was fine. Uh, not everybody, but there were a lot of fine performances. But to Petit's point, who's out there actually inspiring you? Who's out there trying to get the team going? Who's trying to lift everybody? Who's trying to make those plays that are necessary? Who is making a play on a goddamn long throw-in just to clear the ball out because that's what needs to be done. They don't have enough of those guys that put the back or put the game on their back and say, I'm going to make a play because that's what needs to be made. It doesn't have to be sexy. It doesn't have to be the killer pass. It's just because this is what needs to be done. And that's what pisses me off the most about Arsenal is that it's just like, it's not that they're pointing the finger at everybody else. I think they're out there trying, but it's just taking that responsibility of not only do we want to be on Arsenal, we want to make Arsenal good. We want to make the plays that inspire people to want to be, uh, excited about our team and want to support us. Yeah, well said. Heath, uh, if uh, Aubameyang and Lacazette started on Friday, do you think the result would have been different? Aubameyang from two years ago? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, if that's I love, starting, I love the buzz. I, I, the pause is amazing. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so because you're looking at two players who I don't think are all that satisfied with their time at Arsenal and uh, in, in over the last season or the, the the side that they're playing on or the energy around it. It just feels flat. And maybe I'm I, you know, I probably read more about it and watch more Arsenal than 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 a lot of the other teams. But I don't know. I, I think that's well said that there there's just no emotion coming out of it. It just feels flat. It doesn't feel like there is this spark or respect for the crest or the club or an energy that's like at a minimum we're gonna we're gonna live and die for this club. Um and then the rest can come later. So yeah. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely right. Let's move on. Let's keep rolling here. I'll just give you some Saturday results as well. Leicester City beat Wolves 1-0. We'll talk about Chelsea in a second. They beat Palace 3-0. My Aston Villa uh, got embarrassed, but they did a little, at least they made it a, you know, not terrible 3-2 <laughs> in the end against Watford. Everton, Rafa Benitez and Everton 3-1 against Southampton. Brighton beat Burnley. 2-1. Uh, by the way, the Sunday game, West Ham beating Newcastle 4-2. Sorry there, Jimmy Conrad. But let's talk about Liverpool and Norwich City. You talked about the energy, and it was there at the beginning uh, at Carroll Road there for Norwich. You thought it was going to be, you know, uh, something of an inspiration. Jimmy Conrad, but Liverpool, you know, they feel good because Virgil van Dijk is back. They got their mojo back and uh, that heavy metal football that Jurgen Klopp brings to the table he wants it full on for this season because he knows what's at stake what what did you make of uh, Liverpool against Norwich so Liverpool did what Arsenal and Aston Villa failed to do they failed to score the first goal mm. uh against a team that just got newly promoted uh, uh that that first goal was going to give that newly promoted team especially in front of their home fans all that energy and belief and confidence that you know what maybe maybe today's our day and Liverpool came out and they weathered a little bit from Norwich. There's no doubt Norwich came out with that same type of energy. But they, they did what they had to do. Allison made a save or two, defending, some heroic defending there. And then Jota scores. It goes 1-0. And they're now in control of the game. And it took them, you know, the second half and got maybe some tactical changes. And Bobby Firmino comes in and scores to really unlock Norwich in a more meaningful way to get the 3-0 result. I thought Mo Salah looked very good. And that front three is going to be a force to be reckoned with as long as they can stay healthy. So I thought this was a nice professional performance. Three points, 3-0 three win. Virgil van Dijk is only going to get more and more sharp. They're just going to get more and more sharp as the game goes on. And they actually started a team that Oxlade-Chamberlain, uh, Milner, uh, Naby Keita. I, I was actually pretty surprised uh, with that, that middle three. But they went in there and did the business. 
And and I thought actually Trent Alexander-Arnold, I wanted to give him a hat tip as well. I thought he was fantastic. He looked yeah. like the Trent Alexander of old. And I think that's really important for that team moving forward because when he's feeling it, his passing's excellent from, from deep line positions. And uh, that's going to make a big difference. I, I think that uh, we saw some signs of Liverpool that they're going to be contending for the league title for sure. Heath Pierce, Josh Sargent got some minutes at the end there. Heath Pierce, what say you? And that was pretty good, huh? Yeah, I, I mean, it's just, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why he's at. He's, he was struggling enough to score at Werder Bremen in a team that, that, that I guess they were struggling for, for most of the time that he was there. But like, you know, uh, whether he's a starter or not, chances are going to be hard to come by and he's going to have to really become a half chance type of opportunistic scorer. He's willing to put his head where you wouldn't put your foot uh, if he wants to score those goals. Uh, and score good goals in the Premier League. I think it's a good step for him, but it's one of those ones where I just, it's kind of a head scratcher for me in terms of your next step of your development. And what we mm-hmm. used to see from our, our peaking strikers in the past, but for a young guy like that, I don't know, maybe there is more to it than that. Maybe you can get close to double digits this year and in that sort of eight to 10 range uh, of of goals. Obviously super proud as, 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 as a fan to see him get his debut uh, very early on like that, but you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to process why this club was, was the next club for him. He's a transfer record for Norwich, though. He has to start, Jimmy, at some point, no? Even alongside Pookie, what do you think? Uh, I hope so. Um, obviously, Timu Pookie has proven his his worth, so it's going to be hard to replace him. But uh, yeah, having two forwards up top would be nice. I think to Heath's point, there is something romantic and sexy about saying you play in the Premier League, and everybody's attracted to that, especially if you're a young American. You're like, all right, I could struggle here in the second Bundesliga with Bremen, or I could go somewhere else, maybe another uh, mid-table Bundesliga team, or I could go to the Premier League. I'm going to go to the Premier League. So so I just feel like I can, I can understand the pull. I remember when Benny Falhaber did it back in the day, and he went to Derby, and they were the worst Premier League team in the history of, of Premier League history, where they're so bad. And, and I, I, I wonder think Watford if ended up that. being worse. Well, okay, I think that's Watford fair. ended up being worse a couple of years later. But still, and he didn't even actually play that much, so... I don't know if that helped yeah. his career in particular. I'd love to get Benny on at some point to talk about that. But but Josh Sargent is getting this experience, and we'll see how he feels in about six months or a year if this was the right move for him. So it gets he's gonna have to wait and see how they how they roll him out and where he sets up and plays. If he's gonna like what we saw from him in this one was him coming in and then defending <laughs> on top of his box. You're like, <laughs> I don't think that's really why he signed up to play for Norwich. But then to his point, why else were you going? To, I mean, Norwich, of course, we're gonna play almost every game like that. And that's what it's going to look like. So best of luck to him, but it's going to be a long season. Well, we'll see. I mean, it was Liverpool. Hopefully there'll be some easier matchups to come along. But from one American that's, uh, you know, going to find it difficult to one American who seems to be enjoying it very quickly. Let's talk about Chelsea. Obviously, we all predicted they were going to beat Crystal Palace. Patrick Vieira has never lost to Chelsea as a player. And now he's got one loss as a manager. Pulisic got on the score sheet. Uh, Jimmy, Pulisic, Chelsea. I mean, Lukaku's going to come in, but Pulisic keeps making that point. You better put me in, coach. Yeah, I think he did an excellent job. I, he did lose a couple balls early. I was like, ah, is he nervous or whatever today? I think he was maybe just trying too hard. I thought the whole Chelsea team was to a certain extent and just trying to put their stamp on it. It was very frenetic to start. But as they settled in and got that goal, and then he started to find his spots and obviously very opportunistic to, to finish his chance. And I thought Chelsea were excellent. And, and adding little, little Romelu Lukaku is only going to enhance that defensively. Very good. I had to go check right now, stat wise. I don't think Crystal Palace even got a shot on goal until the very end. Jordan Ayew, I think, got a, like a really weak header on goal. And and I, I just want to give a shout out to Trevo Chalaba because there's been so much talk about. Oh, we got to go get Jules Kounde, seventy million for the best young defender in the world. You have. For me, one of the best young defenders in the world. You probably have a ton of that talent. You just loan him out all the time, Chelsea. Like he was 80, great, man. 80 people on loan. He scored a fantastic goal. I think he did enough, not only in this game, but in the UEFA Super Cup to prove they don't need to go splash that cash on Jules Kunde. They have a real gem at center back here already. And I hope he continues to prove that he is the real deal. But yeah, I was really impressed with uh, Chelsea on both sides of the ball. Christian Pulisic making the most of his minutes and hopefully he continues to do that. Crystal Palace, uh, Patrick Vera's got some work to do. Some work to do, and AZ as well uh, is also not available, recuperating as well. Heath, quick on Chelsea, because we haven't even asked you yet, but with Lukaku coming in, how 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 much higher does that stock rise for, for the Blues? Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it just shows you, again, when you're talking about title challenging now and the amount of competitions they play in, just how much depth, you know, we saw it with City. City was always one that we talked about depth. You take four out, you put four in over a season, and now you're seeing that depth come to life. We thought we saw that last season with Chelsea, 
but they were mostly young players, right? You take out Pulisic, you put in Kai Havertz, you take out Timo Werner, you put in Pulisic, Mason Mount, you had a lot of young guys. So to have a Lukaku in there who's a bona fide uh, star to be able to play off of and play around, I think is just another another uh, sort of tool to be able to work off. I don't know if that changes the dynamic of the team or the way that they attack, but it's certainly going to uh, be great. And the last thing I wanted to say, uh, obviously, is Chalaba incredible. No need to go out and spend that money on somebody else. It's very rare that Chelsea bring a player. Obviously, he he started in the youth system at like eight years old or 10 years old or something like that and has been in it. And it's very rare that these players that are part of this loan system ever come back. Andreas Christensen did after one year after being very good. At, I think it was at Gladbach. But other than that, it's very rare. And these players like Matt Miazga very rarely find their way back. And so this is a rare opportunity to see a player of that quality over two games or a few games now in preseason uh, and think that you need to go out and spend, um, you know, close to that, that 70, 80 million mark. I think they should just ride this out and not then, then go splash the cash in January. Yeah, the times are good for Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel. Let's see what they continue to do or not do in the transfer window. Before we move on and wrap the show with the rest of Europe, I wanted to just get a favorite moment from the Premier League from both these uh, guys. I don't even have one. Uh, is it City not winning? I think that's my favorite <laughs> Jimmy, what, what do you have? Do you have a favorite moment from, from this weekend? I'll say from a team perspective, Brentford kind of setting the tone. I thought that was excellent. And then winning in front of their fans was tremendous. From a manager perspective, I think Nuno getting that first win for Tottenham over City is awesome. And from a player perspective, I want to give it up for uh, Trevo Chalaba for all the reasons we just talked about with regard to Chelsea. A really special story. Love it. Heath? Yeah, I agree with all those. Those those would be my same thing. <laughs> just again, repeating, repeating. Re it's just, but again, go back to Brentford. It was just great. I love those stadiums like Brentford has. They just... There's something pure about those kind of older, old, not older, but like smaller stadiums, kind of like mm -hmm. you have a Craven Cottage, these types of things where it just feels yeah. like the fans are sitting right pitch side and it feels community driven. I don't know. There's just something about it. It just feels very Ted Lasso to me that I just really like seeing fans <laughs> like that, that close to the stadium and, and just a little bit of purity back in the game and getting a win on uh, after so long uh, away from, from the Prem is just incredible. Yeah, it just gives you that old school feel of the Premier League, those grassroots uh, feelings. Uh, absolutely correct. All right, listen, if you're listening uh, on audio, we're going to take a break. But if you are watching on YouTube, keep on rolling this train. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're going to do the rest of Europe, and we begin right now with, of course, uh, PSG, just like uh, Space Jam unveiling the Goon Squad. This was just ridiculous. A packed stadium at Parc des Princes. Uh, so I, well, listen, the scoreline doesn't matter. They beat Strasbourg 4-2, okay? I want to talk about this unveiling, everybody. It was, they, they showed all their brand new toys with Aldum, Sergio Ramos, Donnarumma, and of course, Lionel Messi. The crowd went nuts. Everybody saw it. It was just kind of scary. It actually freaked me out, Jimmy Conner. It was a little scary. What do you make of that unveiling as Lionel Messi, um, you know, introduced uh, to PSG, his new team. It still doesn't feel real. It still feels like they're making a movie about a team of superstars, very similar to your Space Jam metaphor. What I find interesting is if I was playing against this team in a video game, let's yeah. say FIFA Ultimate Team or whatever, and they had all these players that they actually have in real life, I'd be like, no, what are you... I'm not playing against that. That's not yeah. fair. You can't. Yeah, you do better that. be amateur, and I'll what? be world. And you, and I'll be world class. What yeah. is this BS? I would never ever play against anybody that had a team like that. So the fact that they have it in real life is ridiculous. And I'm curious to see how Mauricio Pochettino, in particular, how does he find his best eleven? How does he manage the egos that are going to be unhappy at times when they're not getting enough minutes? And that is going to be an interesting challenge for the Argentinian manager, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Heath, by the way, Kylian Mbappé was booed as he was uh, being called <laughs> by the stadium. Isn't that uh, ridiculous? That's like that's like what? saying, Daddy, I didn't want a Bugatti. I wanted a Ferrari. <laughs> Heath, yeah. what, was, yeah, what it, was that about? Well, you know, obviously the argument was uh, all along was that Mbappé needed to be number one. If he wants to be the best in the world, he needs to be the guy. Behind Neymar, <laughs> he couldn't. And now he's now he's just a guy in a squad. Uh, and, and 
Now, now he's just like uh, uh, another, like he's a world, he's probably a top three player in the world, if not top in his type of uh, position. And, and now you find yourself even further down the pecking order in terms of <laughs> priority or building a team around you or, or what the future looks like. So when you think about uh, a, a new contract, you're like, man, I, I definitely don't want to miss out on this, but I, you know, for, for a player development type of thing, it was the same reason why Neymar left uh, Barcelona in the first place to get it to, to be the the guy at PSG instead of being behind Messi at Barcelona. And now the whole power dynamic uh, has, has, has shifted. And I'll tell you, like Jimmy said, that does not look like a fun team to go out against and go, I don't, you know, I don't want to play. I, I've, I've experienced that maybe once or twice in my career where I played against a team where you just walk off and you go, okay, they're better than us. Uh, and you just want to like, they're, they're going to clap to the fans. You want to go clap with them to the fans and be like, yeah, we we're all, it's like when the Harlem, like when the Harlem Globetrotters play against those pickup teams, you know, and yeah, everybody, exactly. they all like cheer yeah. together after. Cause you're just like, yeah, the good guys won. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, well, what a spectacle uh, it is. And, and quite frankly, it's hard to argue right now just because of the fact that like, what was it, three out of the five or six were, were free um, or four. And so yeah. it's, it's like you can't, it, it's got a little bit of that NBA sort of like super team to it, but it's not like they went out and broke the bank and tried to break all the rules and find loopholes for things. It just happened to be like, oh yeah, the door's still open. Come on in. Uh, and now here they are. Crazy. crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's just absolutely insane. It's just great. All right, listen, everybody, we're nearly done with here. So we're going to do a quick fire, okay? Quick fire, and I want some quick comments from both of them. We're going to just keep on going round of Europe because there was still plenty of action. Even as we tape, there's plenty of action, of course, as Barcelona without Messi uh, face Real Sociedad. But let's begin here with the Bundesliga. Men's uh, beats RB Leipzig. That's a loss for Jesse Marsh as well. Bayern tied Gladbach as well. Uh, Jan Sommer was to the rescue there, but the New Yorker, Joe Scully, was pretty good on his it debut. Is, right? But really, this is about Erlen Haaland. Absolutely ridiculous. Two goals, two assists. Reina of the mark as well. Very quick thoughts on the Bundesliga, Heath Pierce. Uh, yeah, man, uh, tough for Jesse Marsh that, uh, loses that, that game. Tyler Adams started in midfield who he said is going to play in midfield, uh, all of the time, but, uh, Joe Scally, fantastic debut for him. I thought he played really well. My, my debut uh, in the Bundesliga was against Bayern Munich. When I gave that example a minute ago about saying, you just want to clap with him and be like, they're good. Uh, he, he held his own better. We lost three nil. And I remember that being this like out of body experience. So he just looked very uh, mature for his age to be able to settle in and play against the team. Uh, like that. And then obviously Holland, you just, I don't know how he's still there. I get the market conditions aren't great, but like you just go like, this is, this is somebody playing against kids and the Bundesliga is a very good league. And well, he's a kid, Jimmy, he's a kid himself it, right? though. He's a kid himself. Yeah. yeah. But, but no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, Jimmy, you tweeted that very quickly in the Bundesliga. You tweeted. Oh, Holland. That I, I did. I tweeted that he's too good for the Bundesliga. It, it's just, it's just too easy for him. Now Eintracht didn't put out, you know, the best performance of all time, but, but then you wonder, Maybe they did, and it's just Erling Holland absolutely dominating people. So it's going to be interesting to see. They have a big game. The German Super Cup is on Tuesday, and it's Borussia Dortmund versus Bayern Munich. I'm very excited about that because I want to see now. All right, Erling Holland against Eintracht is one thing. Let's see how he does against Bayern Munich, the best club in Germany by far. So that'll be a good test for him, and I think he'll be fine. I think he's going to pass. He'll he'll show up because he always does. This guy's a generational player, and I'm really curious to see where he goes next. I know Real Madrid is kind of trying to line up everybody at this point because apparently Mbappe doesn't want to resign, so he can be free at the end of the season. Camavinga will be free at the end of the season. Pogba could be free at the end of the season. And then Erling Holland would only be $70 million with his release clause. Imagine all four of those guys showing up at Real Madrid. It'd feel very PSG-esque in some ways. So, so there are things that I think Florentino Perez, Real Madrid president, is trying to do. Uh, and I think Erling Holland is number one outside of, well, him and Kylian Mbappe are probably code number ones uh, as big targets for them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've talked about the end of Messi and Ronaldo as they age and age. This is now the next stage. All right, very quick fire again on La Liga. Real Madrid, by the way, 4-2 against Alaves. Benzema, clearly the star of La Liga, I think. Uh, you can chime in in a second with that, guys. Uh, but, uh, you know, Alaves did, did fight in the end, but still it was too much. So Real Madrid gets a 4-2 win. Atletico Madrid, 2-1. Angel Correa with a brace uh, there as well. And obviously, Yago Aspas, because Yago Aspas briefs, blinks, and he scores goals as well. And by the way, as we're taping, Barcelona lead Real Sociedad as Gerard selfies PK <laughs> scores a goal. He reduces his wage salary to save his club, and he scores as he leads with Barcelona. Thoughts on La Liga, Jimmy Conrad? 
Yeah, I'll start with Real Madrid. I thought it was very cool in some capacity to see Eden Hazard and Gareth Bale both start. Uh, that was that was pretty neat to see, and I thought they were both pretty influential in their game against Alaves. Uh, Karim Benzema scoring two goals, looking to do what he does, trying to be on top of the Pichichi, the, the scoring charts. Now that Messi's out, he's probably like, sweet, I can finally win some golden boots over here. So it'd be interesting to see how Benzema performs with regard to Atleti. Really came out with a weird lineup, like a bit of a 3-1-4-2. Saul and Koke were both in the middle or kind of in the middle. Uh, Trippier didn't start. Luis Suarez didn't start. Rodrigo De Paul didn't start, but they came on as subs. They did what they had to do to get that 2-1 win against uh, Celta Vigo, though it was 1-1 at one point, so they're showing a little bit of backbone. I still I still have it. Let's favored to win the league overall. But yeah, I'm very curious about this Barcelona game with regard to uh, how they perform without Messi. First time ever, but getting that early goal, I'm sure, will help alleviate some of that pressure. Absolutely. Heath, on you with La Liga. Yeah, I would just say that Benzema's going to continue to be the player that we won't miss until he's gone. Uh, he's just mm-hmm. so incredible, and it's just fallen in a generation where there's just always good strikers in his league or on his team or around him, and he continues to just... It, you know, a little bit Lewandowski-esque of just like all about business and just scores goals and he scores goals in every type of way. And I just think that, you know, no matter how much we talk about him on here, I, I still feel like it's impossible to give him the respect in this current context of, of this generation uh, that he deserves. 100%. I won't even add anything to that. Of course, and he dated Rihanna as well, by the way. Hey, we're going to talk about Barcelona more with Fabrizio Romano on Monday, but I wanted to thank both of these guys, Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce, so much for our first weekend recap of this season. We'll be back, Jimmy, with that drum. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, brother. Thank you, LME. Thank you, Heath Pierce. Thank you, everybody, for watching us live and for listening to us. We appreciate you. HP, thank you, my man. Oh, thanks for having me. Come on, Brentford. <laughs> thank you for joining us everybody remember to follow us on twitter Kegolasso pod we're on youtube as you know we're on apple podcast spotify stitcher cbs sports and your cbs sports app keep reviewing keep following us more and more Kegolasso to come have a great great rest of your sunday CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 